Welcome to Women in Chemicals Women of the Week. I'm Claire. And I'm Kylie, and we're joined today by Christine Gribos, the Director of Product Management for General Chemicals at Brente. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining, Christine. Today's episode is sponsored by Women in Chemicals insurance broker, Brown & Brown. As the sixth largest insurance broker, Brown & Brown, an affiliate member of NACD, understands the unique risk exposures of chemical distributors and have developed customized solutions. As the insurance marketplace continues to harden, it's critical that insurance brokers provide a consultative risk management approach and services that help reduce your total cost of risk. Brown & Brown has taken the time to understand the responsible distribution process and positive impact it has on risk and takes a collaborative approach to understanding the unique risks organizations face. Ready to find your solution? Contact Bo Bertwell at Brown & Brown today. Perfect. Thanks, Claire. And Christine, thanks again for joining us. Uh, we're really excited to have you and hear your story. So I uh, want to kick it off with letting you please introduce yourself in any way. So tell us about your background um, and how you got into your current role with Brentex. Sure. So I'm Christine Gribos, Director of Product Management for General Chemicals for Brentag, and I'm also the Mentorship Program Chair for Women in Chemicals. So it's really fun to be here with my team. Mm -hmm. um, so unlike some people who I, I know there's two different kind of schools that I've heard in talking to people who have ended up in the industry, those who kind of fell into it and those who really deliberately wanted to be part of it and had a degree in it in the industry and I go up there. I am one of those people who actually fell into the industry. Um, it was not necessarily something that I planned on doing. I was in another job and the one of our suppliers happened to be um, in the industry, and I was looking for something different. And one of my colleagues connected me with the owner of that company, and they said they were looking for people. So I didn't really know much about chemicals, if anything at all, but they were looking for somebody for sales, and I ended mm -hmm. up taking the position. So I started my career as an account manager, and I did that for many years for a small regional distributor on the West Coast. And then I ended up going into sales management, director of sales, um, leading our key accounts team for North America, and then ultimately where I am today in uh, product management. So I had a lot of different roles and different areas of the company. So mm -hmm. Absolutely. I like the school of thought of kind of very clearly laying out the fell, fell into it versus very intentional into it. And I will say I am shocked after over 45 different interviews to hear how and you know, Claire, push back on this if you think differently, but I feel like a majority of those interviews that we've had, Christine, have said a similar message and that they found that they fell into the industry almost by accident, right? Um, so it just continues to shock me every time that that becomes the majority here. And I think that that speaks to what we're working on with Women in Chemicals to create that upfront visibility so that we don't have people saying you fell into it, you know, by luck or whatever it might be, right? We want to make that more intentional, want to have that awareness. So it's just very interesting to hear. Um, so Christine, you talk about how you made this transition, not only from your, you know, early career into sales, and then you climbed that ladder with sales, but then you did a transition from sales to product management. Can we talk a little bit about what that transition looked like, uh, what the biggest challenge was for you, uh, and how you were able to leverage all of this prior you know, sales and other experience before you transi transitioned into product management? 
Sure. Um, so I love sales. It's actually one of the things that I'm most passionate about. Um, it's fun. It's interesting. I love meeting all the people and everything else. So it was interesting mm -hmm. when the opportunity came up. And so I've been in product management now for two years. Okay. So very recently. Um, so when the opportunity came up, it was one of those, hmm, I'm not really sure. Is this something I want to do? But because I've spent my entire career on the sales side, it was a gap in terms of working with our producer partners, understanding that side of the business. I had limited exposure. I had some, but it was very limited. And so in terms of really developing myself and learning a whole other side of the business, kind of complementary to what I was doing, it was a unique opportunity. Unfortunately for me, like many people, I started it two years ago and I had these grandiose ideas of what I would do from a learning standpoint. And that was January of 2021. And then the freeze hit and then subsequently all of the supply chain issues and availability challenges, et cetera. So the biggest challenge for me in the transition was really navigating all the market conditions at the same time learning about the products to the level of detail that's required when you're managing a product category. Mm -hmm. So understanding all the global trade flows and the production capabilities and some of the technical aspects of it and working on the relationship with suppliers while at the same time dealing with not having product. And also for me being passionate about sales and working with customers, having to constantly tell people no. <laughs> so that was probably one of the biggest challenges. So it was less about, it was a combination of the learning, um, also influenced by the, just the dynamic, crazy market conditions that all of us were dealing with at that time. Definitely. Did you feel as though you had the support and resources you needed to gain this more and maybe technical isn't the right word. So Christine, correct me where I'm wrong. But when you learn about your product families and your product lines and all of these niche details that you need to be the expert in, do you feel that you were supported in terms of the resources and you know experts available to you to learn quickly in that environment where you need to be quick to respond? I was. Um, I think that it was such a unique experience for everybody that was involved in it. And mm -hmm. out of that came this, I don't know, camaraderie, which was kind of funny because it was very stressful, but yeah. between my team and also the, the suppliers that I was working with, everybody was more than supportive. Um, in fact, even some said that I learned more that I probably would have in a longer period of time because they had to bring me up to speed so quickly. Mm -hmm. And there were certain product managers that I worked with at the suppliers that were extremely helpful in indulging me with my stupid questions um, and just helping me understand the whys of mm -hmm. all the various things that were happening. And even if it were feedstocks and like you said, it's not so technical, but enough that you need to understand the driving forces mm -hmm. and what's happening in the market. And they were extremely helpful when I would say, well, I don't understand what does that have to do with this? Mm -hmm. And then they would help, they would they would even send me resource information or websites yeah. and reports yeah. and, and really guide me through the production processes and different things just to help me kind of piece together, you know, why the kind of the cause and effect of what was happening in the marketplace. So I think Definitely. they were extremely helpful and I'm very appreciative to all of them who 
helped guide me through that because they had a lot going on themselves dealing with some mm -hmm. of their outages and everything else. So, so I, I couldn't have been happier with the support that I got, to be honest with you, because it was in the absence of that, I think it would have made it that much more difficult. Right. I, this is, I have so many comments to this. I relate as I sit in a procurement function. And so I think about all of the relationships that I had leveraged during these times that you talk about over the last couple of years. And you talk about leaning into the suppliers because they are the experts here, right? And so oftentimes, and I remember when I jumped into more uh, specialty chemicals categories myself, I would go to these suppliers and say, okay, you guys are the experts here. I need you to teach me everything that there is to know to have a successful partnership here. So let's do it. And they're so willing and able and capable and excited to, you know, tell their story about their company and tell us about these resources that we might not have asked about, you know, in because we're just being reactive in these environments. And so we're starting new conversations and, you know, strengthening these relationships through these conversations. And that's, so that's one aspect that I'm picking up from this conversation, Christine. And the second one is that the human aspect of it. So we talk about how we've been through these crazy times and we keep hearing that and, and, and that still seems to be true today. And we're still navigating through whatever it is that we're working through. But in this time, I've never felt closer to like the human aspect of it. And I've never been more reminded that at the end of the day, we're all people with families and, you know, we're sitting at home and all this stuff. Um, and to see that shine through and the, you know, the relationship building aspect as you enter into a new category of sorts, so as you transition from sales management to have these people and humans behind you willing and able to have these relationships with you seems really special and important in your success too. It was fantastic, to be honest with you. I had... Um, and I've shared this with my team, the, they were very trying times and now we're in for new challenges this year, mm -hmm. um, different, but more challenges, but, you know, working across our organization and, and representing our North American team and having people on a regional basis um, and in the midst of shortages in products, I still had situations where somebody needed help and they said, hey, I'm short by X volume. Can mm -hmm. anybody spare a pallet or spare something? And it was amazing to me how, A, how much people kept their sense of humor during the very stressful times, but also how much they were willing to help each other to the best of their ability when mm -hmm. they could actually spare some product when material was tight. So everybody is really working together as a team just to help each other kind of navigate through it. Like you said, the whole human aspect of it, it mm -hmm. was that really made a difference in how all of us managed through it. I think the one of the great things about the chemical industry, I've always felt that the people in the industry um, are just very down to earth. Um, it's just a lot of really good people in our in our industry. And so, and working through this kind of, just even was a good reminder of that and really was a testament to that. And I saw how everybody really worked together as a team. Yeah. Definitely. All the way to the suppliers and even internally and externally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Claire, I've seen you shake your head a lot in agreement to some yeah. of the comments. Yeah. What are you thinking? I mean, it's in, it's incredible. And I, you know, well, one, I've been in sales for all of my career. So I applaud you for kind of taking that step 
that next step of changing what's comfortable to something that you've identified as, hey, this can help me grow and and build my next my next chapter of my career. So I think that's incredible. Um, and then I'm also just curious. So you come into your new role, you've got this fantastic support system around you that that you've built and are building and working together, but you come in with a vision of like, this is what I want to do with, with this new role. And like, here's like maybe a strategy that you were trying to map out. Now you enter into supply chain crisis. I'm curious, like, did you just have to pause like with what you were hoping to get out of your, your new role and what you want to do and make your mark? Or did you completely have to shift, shift like what you were trying to accomplish? Like how much of an impact did the supply chain crisis have on like your vision for your role and what you want to do with this new position? I think it's a combination of both. Um, I would say this while I was going through it, I felt like I completely paused everything strategically very quickly. You know, mm-hmm. in my head, as I started a new role and I've shared with those others before, I kind of had this idea of the 90 day, first 90 days will look like X and mm-hmm. here's my plan. And then the freeze hit and then everything else happened and that all went out the window. And so it was disappointing to me personally, um, even though I recognized everything that was happening, that I felt like I wasn't making any progress. But at the same time, then I, when I reflect back and even talking with other people internally and you realize how much you learned as a result of it, even though so much was reactionary because of everything happening, I learned so much about our, the global situation with my products, probably more so than I would have learned. So there's certain things that came naturally through the process, mm-hmm. even though they weren't planned and mapped out as organized as I would personally normally like to be. I still learned a lot that would have been part of what I wanted to learn from a strategy standpoint. It was a little bit difficult to build strategies because your folk, your strategy is really just making sure we have product and try and find alternatives in the, in the midst of shortages, et cetera. But the amount of information and knowledge that I gained about all of the product categories now is really the platform that I can use to develop those strategies moving forward. So yeah. even though at the time I felt like I'm not doing anything to progress anything, um, in the end, I actually was, um, it just wasn't as deliberate as I would have expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like oftentimes more or not, you have this vision and this, you know, straight and narrow road that it'll take you down from point A to point B, but we learned very quickly that it's wine backwards, forwards, roundabout, whatever it might be along the way. So I, I agree. Really good I mean, I, I think that was probably an extreme circumstance, extreme example of it, but it's, I think that's how life is, right? I mean, yeah. you say, I want to get from point A to point B this way. And then all of a sudden it, it doesn't necessarily happen that way, you know? So it's good to reflect though. Like, like you say, looking back on it, you're saying, you know, you have reflected and you learned probably more than you would have had things gone how you had planned or thought so because you wouldn't even you wouldn't even think to ask some of the questions that you end up asking as a result of those circumstances and even some of the the relationships that I developed with the suppliers they said oh we're telling Mm -hmm. you more than you probably would normally have learned because of everything that's been going on yeah definitely all good points and good question Claire so Christine 
we learned that your career um, in your introduction here has largely been with Brentag, right? So been with one company for a large majority of your career. What have been some of the benefits in your eyes of staying with one company and growing within? Um, and then what have been some of the challenges to growing your career within the same company and how have you navigated those considerations? So it's a question I can ask a lot. Um, yeah. I, but, and it's a, it's a really good question. I think a lot of people, you know, some people stay at companies for a long time. We have a lot of people that stay with Brentag for a very, very long time. Um, and the other people move around. And I think that none of them are the wrong answer. Um, for me, you know, Brentag is a huge global company. And that's been such a benefit in terms of the opportunities to do different things. Um, and the people and the relationships that I've developed you know, I mentioned the people earlier and everything. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the various people that I've been able and lucky enough to work with over the years have all been fantastic in all of the different areas. So much so that when I, I started on the West Coast, that's where I'm originally from. And um, I always felt like the culture and the people and the way things were was unique to that region. Um, but then I transitioned to a North American role and I met people all over the country and, and traveled all over just to meet everybody. And, and it was amazing that that culture was just permeated throughout the entire organization. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's been a, a big part of it. Um, but and then also working for a large global company who's constantly evolving and growing and changing, even over the last few years we have, it's led to different opportunities. Um, and then also as I work in different areas and functions and I've met other people and learned about different opportunities. So I think that's been one of the big benefits and probably one of the big motivators for staying. And um, because in essence, I've really changed, um, changed um, careers, I don't say frequently, but enough that I'm getting a lot of different experience. So I never felt the need to look elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, and you talk about challenges and everything, I think one of the challenges when you're staying in the same organization for a really long time is trying to find ways to expose yourself to new innovation and new ideas. Um, mm -hmm. Because when you move into a different organization, you're going to get a completely different perspective, different structures, you know, different ways of doing things, maybe different tools and resources and things that you might not have been exposed to. So that's an area where I think you have to be more deliberate when you're at an organization for a really long time and trying to seek out those things so that you're not, you know, either from people that have come from the outside or through different networking and everything. Um, because you want to continue to bring new ideas also to your own existing organization. And so when you're staying there for a really long time, sometimes you might not be exposed to those um, when you're, as opposed to when you're moving to a different organization. And then the other challenge I would yeah. say is sometimes, and I've seen this happen. I've had this happen to me and I've seen it happen to others. So you have two things. You have sometimes the organization wants to bring in people externally for certain areas for the same reasons that mm -hmm. I just mentioned. 
And yeah. so you may lose out on an opportunity or not be considered for something because of that. Um, and in addition to that, the other thing is you may have, people may have certain impressions or preconceived ideas about a particular person because you've been there for so long and maybe you had, you didn't work with them for a very long time. So versus when you go somewhere fresh, then you're just starting with a clean slate. And that can be a positive, but that can also be a negative. It just depends on the situation and the relationship and mm -hmm. all of those different things. But that can happen too when you're in the same organization for a really long time. Definitely. And I, I appreciate this potential like discomfort or challenge that you've posed with yourself in your transition just two years ago, leaving an organization that you know, you proudly state that you love and sales and the, these activities, but also your recognition of there are other pieces to the puzzle that put together this big picture of the organization that's global and far reaching and has many opportunities. And I commend you for kind of acknowledging that after, you know, a long time in sales to learn the other pieces of the puzzle and challenge yourself and to see that you can do that within your organization is great. Like you said, though, some of that challenge is maybe that opportunity doesn't exist within the same organization sometimes. So it's great that you've sought, sought that out and we're successful in doing that too. Yeah, it's definitely been interesting. I mean, even setting aside the, you know, the market conditions and everything else, you know, I've learned, yeah, I've learned a lot in all of my career. And I'm, I am, I'm a, I'm a fan of stepping outside the comfort zone. I don't like it personally, but I also know that for me, <laughs> that's how I've been the most fulfilled and yeah. how I've learned the most. Um, and I've also learned from experience that when I haven't done that, or, uh, or just to give you an example, there was one role that I had and I was doing it for a long time, mm -hmm. a new opportunity came up and it was really refreshing learning. I really like to learn new things and challenge myself, even though sometimes it can be frustrating when you don't know, you know, all the answers kind mm -hmm. of situation. Um, not that you ever know all the answers, but, but there's a comfort level. Right. And so when you. But at the time that I did that, I realized, you know what, I think I should have made this change sooner. I had been mm. in the other role for several years. And when I looked back, I thought, okay, even though it's uncomfortable, you know, having to start and relearn. And I mean, there's always, you build a base and you learn from your past experiences and everything else, but working with a new team and working with different things, et cetera, I, um, I realized that I was enjoying that whole process of learning again and, mm -hmm. and just continuing to develop myself. And my only regret was, oh, I should have done this sooner. So I'm a, I'm a fan of, of even though I, it's uncomfortable still, I think it's, it's mm -hmm. a really good way to learn and, and grow. Um, but at the same time, I also think that there's people that are very, very comfortable in their same roles and really don't want to change. Yeah. And that's perfectly good too, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. So I think people need to understand themselves and what motivates them, mm -hmm. how they feel in those situations. Do they want to make changes? If they don't, that's okay too. So it's 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 really all about what works for them. Yeah, absolutely. I giggle at this comment and I appreciate your kind of honesty and saying, you know, the only regret is that I wish I did it sooner. Um, I think that could be eye-opening for some folks in our community. Maybe you just gave them the little push that they needed to, to take that final leap to make some type of career change. So I appreciate your vulnerability in that. 
Um, Christine, we've talked a little bit about, like you said, how you've discovered, you know, what fuels you and what motivates you um, and, and that kind of discomfort and that new learning opportunity and that challenge that comes along with it often seems to stem from that, what motivates you and what fuels you. So let's talk a little bit more about that and see if there's other factors um, behind what might have contributed to your success in your career growth so far. I think a lot of it really um, comes down to that. When I look at, honestly, before doing this interview and everything and sort of reflecting on things and um, the times when I think back to, and personally and professionally, frankly, um, over the years, I'll say regrets. Regrets is a strong word, really. Um, so it's not... Um, but when you think, oh, should I have done something differently or maybe I would have, if I had to do it all over again, kind of that type of question. Um, more often than not, it's, oh, you know what? I wish I would have pushed myself a little bit more or found a way to make that happen. Sometimes find excuses not to have something happen. Um, mm -hmm. And when I look back, I go, okay, well, I, I probably should have pushed a little bit more to do something. So I think for me, my success has really been about putting, stepping outside the comfort zone, reflecting on lessons learned, mm -hmm. reflecting on mistakes, um, looking for feedback also is I think really important. Um, that is also uncomfortable sometimes, mm -hmm. um, but you know, the positive and constructive feedback, I think you need to have both. I've really benefited from opportunities whether that be through training programs or 360s, coaches, yeah. et cetera, over the years. I think that's also really helped me. Um, so when you look, it's, it's all about kind of reflecting and then deciding where you go from there. It's very hard sometimes when somebody tells you, hey, you need to do this or don't do this. Um, but I think it's really important to hear that, to understand how people are viewing you, kind of going back to what I was saying before, when you're working in the same organization um, and even in a new organization, you know, eventually people develop opinions, right? Impressions, yeah. opinions, et cetera. So it's always really important to understand you may see something as a strength, but others may see it as a weakness and vice mm -hmm. versa. And so you need, to, if you want to grow and you want to get new opportunities, it's really, really important to understand all of those things and then also take advantage of when the opportunity presents itself for training and learning new things, even if it's not a new role, um, I think it's really important to take advantage of that. I've always Absolutely. felt like I learn something about myself personally and also professionally in those areas, right? It's, you know, you, it's very eye-opening. Definitely. This is a good segue or theme, I guess, to, to transition into the next topic um, tied to self-advocacy. So you talk about getting feedback and being comfortable with receiving feedback, both good and bad, and, you know, educating yourself and taking training, things like that. Um, on the topic of self-advocacy, so typically women aren't as comfortable self-advocating as men might be. Uh, how do you overcome that? And what advice might you have or strategies might you have to offer to our community and those listening in that has worked for you? So I'm going to oversimplify and then I'm going to elaborate. <laughs> so my first response is, and then this comes from experience, 
you just need to do it. Um, I'm as guilty as the next person when it comes to saying, you know, do as I say, not as I do kind of thing or something like that in sure. terms of just feeling self-promotion, self-advocacy, right? I think, you know, I would fall probably on the group that feels less comfortable doing it, but kind of going back to what I was saying before, when I think about situations where I didn't do that or put myself out there in some way, that's usually when I look back and say, well, I wish I would have done something, handled mm -hmm. that differently. Okay. And that's kind of what motivates me then to kind of just go with it when I'm faced with, do I say something or I not say something? Um, I've also seen over the years, people that haven't said anything and then end up being extremely disappointed when they're not considered for a position or an opportunity. Okay. And so I think one of the key messages, don't assume that others know your interests or how you feel um, or know what you want. Because in some cases, you might have a fantastic manager who's going to ask you all those questions and advocate for you. Um, and I've been lucky enough to have that. In other cases, and I've had both, I've had other cases where they don't ask you. And, and then you kind of assume maybe they're not asking you because they're not interested, but the reality is that's just their style. Yeah. Um, and it's really, really important for you then to say what you're interested in and take the opportunity, whether it's setting up some time for just a one-on-one -on -one session with your manager, or even other people within the organization to learn what's else, what else is out there based on your interest and your passion, or take the opportunity during your performance discussion. A lot of times that will naturally come as part of it and they may ask, but sometimes they won't ask. And it's mm -hmm. really up to the person. It's one of those things that this is within your control. Um, and so it's really important to, to take advantage of what's in your control and attempt to influence it. It's not always gonna go mm -hmm. your way. Um, and the other thing I will say is make sure you prepare um, because when you're advocating for yourself and maybe you're looking for a new role or whatever it may be, you want to look at it from your perspective, but you also want to look at it from the company's perspective in terms of here's why I can provide value and impact to the company in this particular area. Mm -hmm. You know, it's good for me. It's good for you kind of situation. So I think it's really, really important to speak up, be prepared, be concise and be clear, um, but make sure that you state what you're looking for because you can't assume that somebody's gonna ask you for it. And the other thing I would say is be prepared for the no, ask for the feedback mm -hmm. because it's really important to personal development. Don't be disappointed because there could be multiple candidates. There could be a million other reasons why it's not necessarily um, that you, but be prepared for the no, but also be prepared for the yes, because yeah. I've had conversations before with managers and they say, well, you know, do you want to apply for this particular position? Um, this might be something you're interested in. And, and I always look, and I had a situation like that where I didn't actually know the full extent of the role, but they wanted to know if I was interested. And so my conversation, even at home with my husband sort of debating, you know, with, with mentors is okay. If you say, if they say yes, you have to be prepared that you're going to take that role because mm -hmm. you don't necessarily want to put yourself out there 
and then just say, well, never mind. I'm just joking. I, I don't, you know, I'm not interested in that particular position. And also, even if you're not fully prepared to jump into that role, you're never going to be a hundred percent or 150% prepared. No. Right. So, mm-hmm. but you have to be prepared that if they do say yes, that you're going to be potentially uncomfortable. There's going to be a learning experience and all of those things that come with it. So it's, you prepare for the no, but also be prepared for the yes. All very good points. Claire, I want to give you a second to reflect on some of Christine's comments before I jump in. Yeah, I, um, you know, what resonates with me is I love the, like, obviously like feedback is a gift, right? So looking for that and receiving it, I like, but I like how you take it next steps of, okay, reflect on that and then, then make it actionable, like set a plan to then how do you improve yourself? How do you set yourself up for success for whatever you're looking for? And then I also love that you also tied in your support system, right? So you, you mentioned like prepare for the yes and how you talk to your husband, you know, your family or, you know, whoever that support system is and how that could impact those around you too. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was incredible that you were thoughtful of that as well. Very good points. I don't want to kind of take away from all of these learning. And I think I have a lot to absorb in some of this commentary. What I do appreciate is how aware or we talk about self-advocacy, but we also talk about self-awareness here. And I think you are very aware of what you can and cannot control in some of these advice and learnings that you've shared. And I think that that's super important and a key takeaway for me of how self-aware you are. And um, I think this is a very hot topic for me in terms of, you know, more recent activities within my own job of really taking advantage of or even kind of taking a step back and saying, you can only control so much of this situation, whatever it is, good or bad, right? Um, so I'm I'm very open ears to some of those comments specifically, even more it's, recently. Yeah, it's hard. Um, yeah. It's just really hard and there's a lot of things happening. And and for me, I, I mean, I have my own share of stress when things happen, right? But that's one of the ways that sometimes I take a step back and I say, okay, what can I control? what can I legitimately control? And then what can I potentially influence? Because mm-hmm. as you, you can't just continue to get super stressed out about the things that are completely outside of your control. They're going to mm-hmm. happen no matter what. And there's enough, enough to worry about yeah, <laughs> outside of, course. of that. So, of course. Um, but I also have to remind myself of those it's, things. It's, yeah. Yeah. We're all only human at the end of the day. That's for sure. So Christine, we want to kind of conclude or move towards the end of the interview here. And one of the questions I'd be really eager to learn from your experience about is throughout your time in the chemical industry, you know, wanting to learn from you what your perspective is on improvements that you've seen for women in the industry um, and what opportunity for further improvements there might be yet. Um, So, and then I close with this question with another kind of ask for you, what's something that you would ask our community to do this year to help continue to grow the industry into a space that is supportive or even stronger or more supportive for women? So it's interesting. The industry has changed a ton. So it's changed a ton since I started 
yet at the same time, I see a lot of the same things exist from when I started. Okay. Um, and so, and what I mean by that is when I started, I was the only salesperson that was a woman in my company. Um, as a manager, there are many times for a while, there was another woman as manager, and then she went to a different position, a different company. And then it was, I was the only woman. So I was only the mm-hmm. only woman in the room. Um, and ironically, based on some of my upbringing, I never really thought that it never really resonated with me how much of a difference that was and how much of an impact it had until later. Um, I, I grew up in a situation where as a kid, I actually played baseball and there weren't a girls softball team. And so I was one of two women, two girls okay. on this team and in the league. And, and it's interesting because I really took it for granted that that was normal. And so then I came into this industry. And so to me, I was like, okay, well, this is normal. Yeah. And so it wasn't until more and more women came in the industry and people were making observations that I went, oh, well, I, I, this isn't really normal. <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was kind of good from a confidence standpoint and really you know, but at the same time, I feel like I neglected to understand the experience that others might have been having, which frankly mm. is was a motivation and and joining WIC as on the leadership team and really you know because of that weird experience that I had. Um, so there were very few women when I started. There's a mm-hmm. lot more women today there were very few women in leadership roles, if any, when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, now there are more, um, and I'm happy to say even within Brentag, on the, the, the supervisory board, we have two women. On our management board, we have a woman, CFO. Um, in our North American region, we have a, a woman president. So we see, and then even when you look even beyond our own organization, Solve has a woman CEO, Selenies mm-hmm. has a woman CEO. So you see just fantastic change. That would have never happened years ago. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, I still remember Amelia talking about what one of the motivations between starting women in chemicals was being in these rooms, in these meetings, being the only woman, being the only mm-hmm. woman on the team. Just a few weeks ago, I was at a conference and I reflect in these meetings that more often than not, I was the only woman in the meeting. And so we still, okay. as much progress as, we, as we've made, there's still a more, lot more progress to be had. Um, I think from a community standpoint, I'm gonna put a plug in here, even though it's for the future. I think when we launch our mentorship program, it's gonna be really important that the community participates and we have a lot of people wanting to be mentors. Because I think mm-hmm. one of the things that's helped me in my career is having mentors and coaches and, and, and people and relationships where you can just get some guidance and direction in, in a comfortable setting, um, you know, where you're free and open to talk and everything. And I think that's going to be really, really important. I also think that you know, I've talked about advocacy and everything, and I think from a community standpoint, I think as women supporting each other, it's really important to speak up um, in support of each other. 
And I would say participate in networking opportunities. Just the more that we can support each other, the better. Um, many people are, don't know what other people are going through. And sometimes people are hesitant to maybe share their experience. But I think mm -hmm. if we keep that door open um, and also we talked a little bit about the industry standpoint of me falling in the industry. We want women to stay in industry. And so I think through the networking that we provide, as long as people take advantage of it and try to be as open as they possibly can, which can be uncomfortable, but the more relationships you develop mm -hmm. and have that infrastructure and support, it's going to help. Um, I think maybe, and maybe we already do this because I'm just learning myself, but and maybe through the forum or something, it would be helpful to understand if maybe there's some recurring themes of things that their challenges or from the community mm -hmm. that they would like us as an organization to potentially address in some of our generation female panels. I know we've been have a lot of speakers who are already probably addressing some of those. Yeah. But if maybe as a community, they're feeling, hey, I'd really like this to be addressed. And there's a way for us to capture that, to look at future materials. Maybe that's Absolutely. something that we could do. Yeah, you make a couple of good point good points, and I can't help but selfishly make plugs for some of the activity that we're working on for women in chemicals, right? So, Christine, thanks to you and your leadership around the build up and the stand up of a mentorship program. I think that's super important. So, I just want to reemphasize your act to our community and those listening in, and the importance of making sure that we have folks that are willing and able and wanting to participate as mentors in that relationship. Um, that is a great ask for our community. I think that's tangible. I think that that's something where we've got such a terrific community of folks that would be great mentors and mentees for that program. So I just want to reemphasize that. I think that is tangible and I think that's great. Um, the second thing is, is we've got our combo with founders coming up just in a couple of days here, but by the time this gets posted, it will be post. But there is so much opportunity for us to receive feedback from our community. And so we welcome that in that type of environment. Like you said, we welcome that on our forum, but any way and shape or form where we can get feedback. We've talked several times about feedback in our conversation today and the importance of reflecting on that and receiving it. We want to know because we want to support and serve this community in ways that are, you know, infrastructurally to pull a word from you, Christine, going to support the industry and the women in the industry. So such good, tangible, actionable tasks and asks of our community. So thank you. Um, Christine, we're coming to the end here. So I wanna give you a couple moments to share with our community any closing words of advice, uh, comments to share. Um, we also have opportunities, any mottos or mantras that you live by, any good books you've read or podcasts you've listened to, things like that. So I'll open the floor to you. So yeah, um, just a couple things. So I've talked, a lot about stepping outside your comfort zone. I think that's um, really important. It's scary, but it's really helpful from a growth standpoint, um, as well as, you know, one of the scary parts about it is, oh, well, I'm going to make a mistake or I'm going to fail you know, or something like that. I've always learned something and it's never as bad as you imagine it to be. Um, you always imagine the worst. Um, but in the end, it's it's never as bad as you imagine it to be. And honestly, it's usually better than than you expect. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really, really important. That's something that's that's helped me in my career. 
um, over all of these years. And, and then the self-advocacy part of it as well. And so I would say along those lines, I have two quotes. One I just heard of in a training session, actually, like six months ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's a quote from Nelson Mandela, and it kind of echoes what I've been saying. And it's, I never lose, I either win or learn. And so I think from a failure and mistake standpoint, that's always scary. But if you focus on what you're going to learn from that, um, you know, it's not about the failures. It's more about what you're learning. And that's been my experience. Um, you know, at the time, maybe you'd feel differently. But when you reflect back, it's yeah. you, 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 you realize that that's really what it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one is kind of funny. But, you know, Ted Lasso, and I use this in one of my meetings, so I don't know if there's any, te- <laughs> the Ted Lasso fans out there, you know, he talks about being yeah. a goldfish because the goldfish is the happiest animal in the world because he only has a 10 <laughs> second memory. But it kind of goes back to what we were saying about the things that are within your control. So, you know, you want to focus on the things that you can't control and forget the things that you can't change. So move forward as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. And so the, the goldfish thing is funny and it Ted Lasso was a great show for those who watch mm-hmm. it. And so I think that's always a good kind of silly one, but it's, it's true. Um, and then the last thing on the podcast. So, and I shared this with our um, women in health group last year, and I'll email it to you guys The okay. there's Bhavna Bartoff has a great podcast. It's only 20 minutes. It's a TEDx Ted talk. Mm-hmm. Um, on the secrets of self-advocacy. And she really breaks it down in a nice story on her background and some of the key things to think about. Um, and I really like it because it's it's short, but it's really powerful. And so I think that's um, that's a podcast or, that I would recommend, or it's a TED, TED talk, I should say. So. Great. Awesome. Thanks so much, Christine. I'm excited to receive the, the link to that. I think we'll share that to our community and positive we will. But uh, thank you so much for your time today and telling your story and giving us your advice and your comments. So it's been a pleasure. Um, And on behalf of everyone at Women Chemicals, thanks, Christine, for your time. Thank you. Good to see you guys.